Um, so here we are, uh, the first Sunday of a new year. And it's kind of an interesting thing for us. It's kind of like the Jewish, the Jews really, they had actually two new years. They had one in the fall, they had one in the, in the springtime. And so, uh, the one that, you know, that really starts off the civil year was Rosh Hashanah in the uh, fall, September typically. And, uh, so we, we really pay attention to that around here. We think spiritually that's when things usually move. But they also move at the first of our year. Like, you know, it's like God honors our year, or the beginning of a year for us uh, on January 1. And so, you know, spiritually we entered 2020 back in September. And uh, um, from a uh, legalistic standpoint, we entered it a couple of days ago. And so one thing I always do, uh, try to do, is pray and ask God, you know, do you, is there anything you want to tell me about what's coming up for the next year? And he, he has often done that. At least I think he's done that. Um, so I wanted to share with you some stuff that I felt like God was giving me about 2020. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is actually did start in September. Uh, Susan and I went to Colorado Springs in early September. And, man, there was a bunch of apostles and prophets up there. A bunch of them, well, I don't know, 15, 20, about 15. Anyway, whatever it was, it was. Uh, so there was some serious spiritual things that were done up there. Prayer that was powerful. Oh, my, my Lord. There's a lady named Jo. Uh, she's Al Houghton's ex-secretary. I'll give you a load of this lady. She, her father was something, like he was a senator or something. Anyway, she has lineage. But uh, when Ronald Reagan was the governor of California, he appointed her as head over all the women's prison people in the state of California. So she was, she was like a lieutenant or something over all the women in the prison system in California. And so she's spirit filled and I mean on fire. She led one of those Charles Manson's uh, women, I'm trying to remember which one, to the Lord. Got her saved. Now, that lady is still in prison, but she's saved. This woman's got some clout. You ought to hear her pray. Ooh, dude. I mean, when she starts it, it's like someone just plugged in the light socket. And I'm telling her, I'm with you. You, you know, I'm with you right behind you. But you, you start praying, I'm with you. So anyway, the prayer up there was amazing. And, uh, and I think, boy, did we ever initiate something in the spirit. Good grief. Immediately, some of the prayers that we prayed started happening. And I think you're going to see a lot of big things happen in 2020. And our prayer goes up with all the other prayers that were being prayed about that year. I mean, we're not the only ones. That's for Dad, I'm sure. But what I will say about the year 2020 is it appears to be a study in contrast. Contrasting things seem to be at work in the year 2020. On the one side, <clears throat> there is this tremendous resistance against what God is doing. A tremendous resistance. And it, it shows up in the form of suffering, uh, in health issues, in relationships being tested, and hearts being revealed. And it's really, really difficult. All these, each one of these, by themselves, are enough to make people, many people, just quit. Any one of those I just mentioned. But on the other side, in contrast to that, and it more than balances to me the, the, the equation, is this picture that is beginning to emerge for those who have spiritual eyes. If you have spiritual eyes, you can see this and acknowledge this. It takes faith. But here's what I see happening. Already started. Miracles. Miracles. We even started singing about it this morning. This is a move. Do you believe it? According to your faith, it'll be unto you. This is a move. Miracles. Even transfer of wealth. Manifestations of the Spirit on a level not seen before. Now get that one. That's a big statement. Not seen before. Literally a litany of the wonderful works of God. And just a whole picture of the wonderful works of God. It goes back to a dream I had last week. 
We are now seeing the first fruits of this good sign. We're starting to see it. And one of the examples, I think one of the signs that God gave us to let you know this is real, is the new church building that he gave us or is about to give us. Next Monday is the day. All right. From the outskirts of the city where we were reproached to the heart of the city where God wants to show us favor. And this place is not just a wonderful place. It fits the promised land motif. Houses you didn't build, trees you didn't plant. I think there's something about vineyards in there, but, you know, y'all can't drink wine. So up yours, I mean, sorry about that. Uh, I'll drink the wine. Uh, and all kinds of victories. Hallelujah. But battles. Yeah. Right? And I think that that new church is a, is a sign of the favor of God on you. And what is wonderful about it is it's an entire city block. That just blows my mind. With ample room to grow. I wonder what that means. There's got to be something going on. God doesn't do anything with no purpose. There's a reason behind what he does. And then there's this latest testimony about what I'm, what I'm telling you today. There was a guy up there, this is an apostle from Puerto Rico. His name was Hector Melendez. This guy is the real deal. We actually may have him out here at some point. He blew me away. Blew me away. And uh, he has, I don't know, scores of churches that he has planted. He is a father to many, many churches in Puerto Rico, in the Latin Americas, uh, Costa Rica, all over the place. This guy's a real deal. Anyway, his wife, Gloria, on January 1, just a few days ago, I got this call from Al. His wife, Gloria, suffered a heart attack. And so they were going to uh, have an emergency procedure on her the next day, except the next day she had another heart attack, two heart attacks in a row. And so then they went ahead and scheduled the, the, uh, the procedure for the next day, and they went in to, you know, to place stents in her heart and stop this stuff. But when they got in there, they discovered there was absolutely no damage at all to her heart and no need at all for stents. I mean, it was completely healed. You think there wasn't prayers that were being offered up by that team of people that went to Colorado? Oh, we were all praying. And imagine how many people were praying for that woman. And before she had this, the procedure, she had one prayer for herself. She asked God to give her, get this, 15 more years so that they could serve out their purpose with God. 15 more years. And what I'm, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up to you is this is like, an answer to the dream I had last week for people over 50. That God would grant you in your latter years hope by doing the many wonderful works of God. And you should be praying that God would give you many years so that he could fill these years up with the things that you've not seen yet. The wonderful works of God. No limit. So that's what I see coming on. Now, with that dream that I had, you know, when I saw this, God showed me, you should be praying for a a large remainder of years if you're over 50. A large number of years left. So, Because he's going to show you something. It's going to be like Acts 2. And God showed me a few years ago, there's going to be another manifestation. It'll be like Acts 2, yet different. So we're going to see works that God has not shown yet. Isn't that amazing? But doesn't that sound like God? He's always doing new stuff. You can't put him in a box. So with that dream, you know, uh, don't forget what he's, he's, he's trying to do in you. And the fact that he gave us an example of what I dreamed last Sunday or Saturday night, Sunday morning actually. I mean, within a, within five days, this stuff has happened. Actually three. Three days later, it starts happening. So I, I really am looking forward to things that are going to go on that's going to be just crazy good. So, let me give you some other things that I see happening uh, other than that dream about the year 2020. Okay, so here they go. First of all, the number 20 itself, uh, let's, it means a complete or a perfect waiting period. And I heard the Lord say, your waiting period is complete. Amen. You waited and now it is time. You waited for a purpose, that purpose is now. 2020 marks the beginning 
of what I would call the fourth chronos of the Holy Spirit activity in our world. It was re-initiated. The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit had been squelched for, gosh, 1,700 years, 1,800 years, until the first day of the 20th century. And the Holy Spirit was renewed with an Acts 2 type of display in Topeka, Kansas. The roots of this church is out of that move. I'm just telling you, my granddad was a part of that. I'm, so I'm, I got his legacy in me and I put that in you. That's why this church was built. So the move of the Holy Spirit began in, in the first day of the 20th century, in the 1900, 1901. So for, a chronos is a 40 year period of God. Every 40 years, he starts a new period, a new time frame that he's going to do new things, new generation. So we've had three of those already. Do the math. Three times 40 is Okay, add that to 1900, you get 2020. So here we are at the beginning of the fourth chronos of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's going to be the last and the most amazing of them all. Now, and so you're going to see another manifestation of Acts 2. Another manifestation of Acts 2, yet different. So I'm kind of shocked and surprised and, and really excited about what God is saying through this. I hear the Lord say this. You, I hear Jesus, just like he told his disciples, you, especially you old people, I almost pulled a four-letter word out of there, you old dudes, especially to you, he says, you have been with me all these years. So your waiting is complete, and now, now, he says, fullness can come. Fullness is here. And what does fullness look like? And he gave me these lists of things, five, six things he said I, I will accompany this issue of fullness. Here's the elements of it. First of all, a hundredfold fruit. Now, in the Bible with Jesus, he gives the parable of the sower, and he gives us three levels of fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. I want a hundredfold. Some people are satisfied with thirty. That's fine. I don't care. This church is a hundredfold church. You're going to see that with the fullness. And just by definition, with it, you will see persecution. Boy, I just studied persecution. That is rich stuff. Persecutions, number two. Number three, tribulation and perseverance. These are elements of a fullness. It's not all sweet and good stuff. This is the real deal. Four, suffering and reigning. We've been talking about that quite a bit here lately. It is a suffering motif. You suffer with him, you will also reign with him. The whole suffering thing works like this. Somebody suffers and another person benefits because of the suffering of one. You're going to see a lot of that. As many of you have lived the life of that, you're going to see the fruit of it, hundredfold. Which brings up the next one, treasures revealed. We even sang it in that song. We have his treasure in broken vessels. God's going to start showing the treasures and reveal it to you. And watch it. This has been all about for you. And the last one is it's all about, or a part of the whole thing is going to be the army of the Lord. You're going to see God starting to formulate the army of the Lord. I want to talk to you about that part right now. The army of the Lord. There is an army. If you read the book of Revelation, chapter 19, especially, it talks about the bride of Christ having her marriage supper and immediately, as a part of that, the army of the Lord being released. Okay, so there is a, there is a preparation and a putting together of that army in its beginning now. So turn with me, if you would, to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. This is about the army of the Lord. I talked about this one Wednesday night, I don't know, several months ago. I really thought this is more of a Sunday morning sermon. So I've been waiting for the chance. And here it is. The army of the Lord. You're going to see that in Joel 2. And first of all, let's start with verse 11. I want to kind of frame it with the last verse of the, of the description of the army. Verse 11 of Joel 2 says this. 
The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? So the first point is this. This army that we're going to describe is the Lord's army. He's uttered his voice before his army. All right? Now go back to verse 1, and let's see the description of this army. The first verse kind of sets the stage on when this is to take place. Blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is at hand. Now, that right there, when you see that description, the day of the Lord, that is a, that is a word or a description of the end time. That's what it's referring to. When Jesus returns, the end time. The day of the Lord is at hand. And so we saw at the end of this section, there is an army involved on the day of the Lord. Okay, so let's just keep reading. Describes this army and this day. Verse 2. It is a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been seen, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. So this is a special group, never seen before, will never be seen again. Verse 3, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots, over mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set. In battle array. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. All right. Now, from this point forward, I want to start pointing out some things that show the attributes of those who are in that army. And we'll start with verse 7. Here they go. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation that part everyone marches in formation to me this describes that they are all in one purpose they're all in the the same group it's unity it is in one accord they all have the same goal so that is a big function of this church in Andrews is to keep working to that goal. Number one, you got to be in the formation. You can't be doing your own thing. Number two, keep reading verse seven. They do not break ranks. I can't tell you how important that is to God. They do not break ranks. Uh, other ways of saying breaking ranks is they don't Make the way crooked. In other words, we're going down this path and we're not going to twist it. In fact, that's what that word means. Twist or pervert this way. It is his way. Amen? His way. He don't need no input about the way. What he needs is obedience. So they can't be turned aside. They don't Air or screw this up. And I, this last part really gets me. They don't change it and they don't abandon it. That's a big word. They do not abandon it. They do not abandon the group. John said it this way. There are many that have gone out from us, but they are not of us, for they would have stayed otherwise. Basically, that's what he said. That's a tough truth, but it is the truth. So they don't break ranks. The next verse, they do not push one another. 
They don't crowd each other. Get out of my way. No, you stay in your place. They don't crowd each other. Next line. Everyone marches in his own column. Now, I like that one. They march down the path that God has called you to walk. Every warrior walks in his own lane. You know what? And you can, you can apply that in so many different ways. You know, like, say, in the ministry. You know, one of the, the big things in ministry in our day is the five-fold ministry, is the gift of Jesus to the church. When he ascended, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, he gave gifts to, to men. He gave gifts to this church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Each one of those five represents what Jesus did. But he breaks it apart and deposits a fifth or a part of to different segments of the, of the ministry. So when you see this right here, uh, you, they, we don't need to grab the guy next to me. I don't need to push him out of the way and take his place. How many of you would love to be up here on stage singing? I'm looking back at Twitty back there. Would you love to sing up here? You want us to hear you on a microphone? Really? Never put a mic in my face when I'm singing. It'll stop the worship right there. I'm not called to be the worship leader. I'm not even called to be the singer up here. I ain't going to crowd you off this stage. I can't play with the keyboard like Gary. I play... That song. What do they call that song? Anyway. I can't remember the song. It's just that good. So I don't, I don't need your anointing. And you can't have mine. Hey, man, did you hear that? You can't have mine. It's mine. I don't need your wife. I got one. I could go on and on and make you nervous. Stay in your lane. Amen. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. I like that one. That's verse 8 at the end. They're not halted by the losses. I love the King James version of that. Even when they fall upon a sword, they are not wounded. Wow. You can't kill these guys. They're just not wounded. And they literally burst through the defenses. That verse 9, they run to and fro in the city and they run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter the windows like a thief. What I see out of this, folks, is this. The NET version on verse 8 and 9 says this. When they burst through the defenses, they don't break ranks. In other words, and this is one, this is a key thing. Success doesn't defeat them. You know one of the worst enemies that we all have? Success. When you get through, when you start hitting at the hundredfold level, you know what the, the things that challenge you at the hundredfold level, according to the parable of the sower? Riches? Wow. What does that mean? The transfer of wealth is a possibility, correct? So here comes wealth, and it begins to choke the word, and you become, instead of a hundredfold, fruitless. Deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. In other words, the, the world is your oyster. And where's your pearls? Success is your own worst enemy. Here's what you have to do with success. Apply the cross. And this requires something from you. You have to want to. Who wants to do that? Not very many people. Sorry. Many are called. And few are chosen. See, do you want to be one of the chosen of God? Did you know that that is all on you? The chosen of God are those who make the choice to pick up the cross and die daily. I'm just telling you the truth. Doesn't sound like a career plan, does it? Well, you can take career plans and put them somewhere. There is no corporate ladder in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus said it this way. You'll be great. You'll be great in the kingdom. Become the servant of all. What? Yeah, that's what it is. He hasn't changed it. It's still true. And it never does cease to uh, test the person that's being led there. It's not easy on your flesh. In fact, there is a key to being in this army. Can I just tell you what the key is? I'm going to speak great to you. Greek word, hupotasso. Hupotasso is the Greek word. And it's a military term. It means to arrange the troops under a leader. To arrange them. To put the various soldiers, warriors, where the leader wants them to be. Doing what the leader wants them to do. Obedient to his commands. Hubertasso. Arrange them like they ought to be. You want to be in the army of God? Grab a hold of this word. Hupatasso. To be arranged where he wants you to be doing what he wants you to do. Now, Hupatasso has, uh, actually has, uh, non-military situations too. And to be, actually, if you want to be in the army of God, you have to pass this non-military test first. How can you qualify to be in the army of God? Well, you have these situations that God places you in that's not in the army yet to see if you're worthy to be in the army of God. Now, hupotasso in the, in the military, it's yes, sir, no, sir. You know what I mean? Command comes, you do it. Jump, how high? Outside the military, hupotasso is voluntary. You have to volunteer for it. And if you volunteer for it, then you can find yourself in this army. And guess what? It's a volunteer army. But you have to pass the volunteer test first. And we find it in several different places. Um, let me see here. Let me say this about the fact that it is voluntary. The fact that you would choose to do this. It's a decision that you make, and that decision, because it's yours to make, is of great value to God. The fact that you would choose to do this hits his heart like crazy, like crazy, because it shows him that you love him. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Obey me. You want to show Jesus you love him? Your words are something of that. I get it. But what you do speaks louder. Amen? That makes sense, doesn't it? So it really touches his heart, and it shows the fact that you would do it voluntarily. Get this, that you trust him. Because some of the things that he wants you to do takes control right out of your hands. I'll show you that in a minute. And another thing about being voluntary, because you choose to do it, God makes tremendous power available to you. Tremendous power. The devils, I mean, the the disciples actually... Experienced this, Hupatasso. They came back to Jesus and said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. Even the devils. So tremendous power is available to those who walk with Hupatasso. So where is this amazing word? First Peter 3. Verse 1. First Peter 3, 1, here we go. Wise, likewise, be hupotasso to your own husbands. Did your Bible read that way? 
Or does it say be submissive to your own husbands? Hupatasa. That's what it means. Submit. 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 Now, let me tell you something about this scripture, and we'll see it later. <laughs> you should know this by now. How long you, has anybody in here been married less than a year? Anybody been married at least five? See your hands. At least five years. That would be most of you. And some of them have been married 25 years old. How long have you been married now? Yeah. Five years. Okay, good enough. Then you qualify to answer this question. Is submission voluntary or involuntary in a marriage? Depends on the day. Therefore, it's voluntary. If a wife submits to her husband, I guarantee you this. She chooses to. That's the truth. God, I wish I knew this stuff when I first got married. I mean, I'm talking about the first time. All my exes are in Texas. They're over there in the cemetery. Uh, good grief. Young men are just like dumb when it comes to this issue. They think because they're the guy, she's going to just, well, that's what you do. And he thinks he's running the show. He ain't got a clue what's going on. He don't know what show he's in. So if she does this, she does this on purpose. Because of why? Because the Bible says so. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the problem in Genesis when man and woman failed. And he first told her, he visited her first and says to this, to her, your desire will be for your husband, but he should rule over you. And the word desire, we did this at Rio Dosa, ladies, literally means your desire is to control your husband. But instead, he should rule over you. And that was the judgment oracle of God. It wasn't there until that day. You got that, ladies? That desire was not there until that day. After the big failure and the judgment of God over that problem was that he was going to place in her the desire to control her husband. But the command of the Lord was he should rule over you. Am I right? I know I'm right. Give me a a nickel here. Throw some stones. Do whatever it is that says amen. 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 All right. So there it is. You have a choice. Now, he put that in you, so this is why men need to hear what I'm saying. Don't be mad at your, at your wife because she wants to control you. That was the year before when we took the men up there. What makes you bitter? She tries to control me. Well, blame God because he put that in her. Quit blaming her. Your answer to her trying to control you is what, men? To love her. Really? That's the only way out? I thought that was a better way. Check it out. You may end up in jail. You have to choose to love her. She has to choose to submit to you. It's voluntary. Amen? Now, I said it. If you do it on on purpose and volunteer it, it's a great price to God. Let's see if this is true. Keep reading. Verse 2. Let's just go back to verse 1. Wives, be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. That means you need to, you know, try not talking and telling him what to do. That was sort of a joke, but not really. Keep reading. When they observe your chaste or clean conduct accompanied by fear. Or respect for him. Do not, get this ladies, you really really need to get this. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. You know what all that says to me? All that says to me is that is the flesh way of doing what you want to do. Or getting done 
what you want done. Ladies, when, I mean, you remember when we wrote the list on how do you try to control your husbands? On the list is sex. Am I right? So the adornment of the hair, getting beautiful, you think that matters to the man? He kind of notices that. What do you want me to do, honey? I'll spend money on it. What do you want? I know what I want. And so what does she control him with? The outward adornment. And the whole deal with. Y'all get it. Stop me before I screw this up. You know what that we call that? That outward beauty portion? Asteroff. There's a god of that. That alluring thing is called Asteroff. You know who worshipped Asheroth? Jezebel. And the message up in Riodoso, ladies, you can either be Jezebel or you can be Esther, the queen of the kings. You know? It's your choice. Submission. Your choice. So don't this 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 natural worldly way of getting your your way done, ladies. Is contrasted to verse 4. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. With the incorruptible. What a word. Incorruptible. Beauty. Of a gentle and quiet spirit. Which is very precious in the sight of God. Did I say that voluntary hupotasso is very precious in the sight of God? Yes it is. He knows how hard it is. Ladies, he created you. He knows the things that you have to deal with to make this choice. It's not easy. I get it. I really do get it. I wish your husbands would get it, don't you? The things y'all have to deal with to make this choice is not easy. So that's why it matters to God so much. And if you do it, you're telling him that you love him because he told you to do it this way. You're showing that you love him. And I said trust is also on the table. Keep reading. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being hupotasso to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed, there's a word, obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord or my ruler, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Well, who did this? Women who trusted God. Women who obey this show God, number one, that they love him. And number two, they trust him. Don't you want to trust God? Everybody wants that. It costs you. It is not cheap either. It requires this level of commitment and obedience. And don't kid yourself. It's just as rough on a man as it is on a woman. He's got his own way to get to that trust level. And it'll take him to his knees. But this is the woman's way. Amen. Y'all got this? All right. Well, uh, go over a couple of chapters. Chapter 5. So she's supposed to submit. Hupatonso. Chapter 5. Verse 5. Here's another one. You younger people. I mean all of you. Most of you. Submit, hupotasso, yourselves to your elders. Now we're talking about the church now. Who's the elders in this church? You got Michael, Dwayne, Stevie Ray, moi. You're supposed to hupotasso. Is it easy? Don't answer that question. No, I get it. Look at me. I'd have a hard time submitting to me. But look at the next line. Yes. All of you be submissive to one another. Whoa, dude, this goes everywhere. From everybody to everybody. You're supposed to literally esteem your brother better than you. How about that? And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. So 
Now then, I want to go back up to verse one. So we got the, we got the point now. Hubatasso submission is for everybody. We're all supposed to submit to the government. You do realize that. Where's Jessica? When I need her. There you are. There's your sister's scripture right there. I want you to put that speedometer on where it's supposed to go when I'm not there. Of course, when they're racing, all bets are off. Everybody submit to everybody. Obey the laws. That's the message. So how are the people who are supposed to have this submission done unto them, how are they supposed to act? Huh. If I was a young man, I said I didn't even understand the game that we were playing, but I thought I was riding high, you know. If I actually got what I thought I was supposed to get from my wife, it would have blown my head up. I mean, how many times have you heard this? The man trying to tell the woman, hey, you're supposed to submit to me and have sex every time I want to. That's what the Bible says. It sort of takes a couple of scriptures and, you know, Messiah didn't come up with that. And how often did that work? I'm trying to find a time it worked. I don't remember a time it worked. What I got was the not hupotasso in return. Maybe there was something wrong with the messenger. Be and me. So here's how the messenger, the elder, is supposed to act, the leader. Verse 1, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder. Peter was an elder, a presbyteros or something like that is, is a Greek word. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how he companions being an elder to suffering? That's interesting. And also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Pretty cool. Here's what you're supposed to do. Shepherd, point name, that is a literal, like a being a pastor, feed, protect, oversee, take care of the flock of God, which is among you. Serving as overseers, not by compulsion or because you have to, husbands, you're a shepherd, did you not know that? You're an elder in your own home. Be that, not with compulsion, okay, just because you said so. That's a great attitude. Hope you get what you want. But willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. And look at verse 3. Not as being lords, masters, bullies over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You know what the lords, being lords over them represents? Baal. So we have the Asheroth on the woman's side, you know, manipulating him with, you know, you know, you know. And the man on the other side trying to rule this place with the strong arm of the Lord. And what I want. And usually with money. How many of you men let your wife know how much money you got? I do. You have a saint. Praise the Lord. Did you start out that way? Was merging the bank accounts an issue? Oh, we don't have bank accounts, brother. We do it all cash. Who carries the cash? You get my point. What do you use, men, to control? Because being an elder, a shepherd, is not... Be a master, a controller, a bully. My way or the highway. Good luck, sucker. You'll live out your last days alone. Amen, right? I'm preaching it up now. So, elders, look over in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the work of a bishop, which is another word for elder. If he wants to be an elder in the body of Christ, in the city of refuge, 
He desires a good work. Praise the Lord. A bishop then must be blameless. Boy, that's a hard one. The husband of one wife. Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior. Yeehaw. Hospitable. Able to teach. Boy, that stops a lot of it right there. Nobody wants to teach. By the way, we need someone to take uh, Rachel Miner's Sunday school class. Please think about that. We need someone to do that. Someone to teach. Every other week. There you go. See her and volunteer. Okay, so able to teach. Go back to verse 3. Not given to wine. Not violent. Hmm. Men, you ever like blew your temper with your wife? I remember I did that one time with Phyllis and she slammed the, uh, uh the cabinet, uh, in the kitchen with a cast iron skillet. Guess what? Lost. Shattered it. The cabinet shattered. <laughs> she was a little mad. I stayed outside. Not greedy for money, but gentle. Same word he used with the woman of a gentle and quiet spirit. He should have that too. Hmm. Not quarrelsome. What? We can't discuss it? Y'all love discussions, don't you? I need to make my point here. I need you to understand my point. I want you to acknowledge my point. That's quarrelsome. Not covetous. Now, verse 4. One who rules his own house well. There's an interesting statement. We'll read the rest of it and come back. Having his children in submission with all reverence. Now, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest he being puffed up with pride, falls into temptations. And most young men do exactly that when they get married. Oh, man, I'm the man. He walks in like a lion. He walks out like a lamb. <laughs> Never get into a cat fight with a real kitty. So how about ruling the own house well? That's interesting. Given what we've just been talking about, it's real interesting. Because if you do it with the wrong attitude, you're serving bail. Guess what's going to come into your household? The devil. And ladies, if you're not submitting as a hidden work of the heart with God, guess what you're letting into your house? Ashtaroth, the devil. And who's the ruler of, I mean, uh, they are both the ruler of Jezebel. Here's what I'm seeing as we close this today. And all these wonderful things that God wants to do. There is much damage being done today by a big enemy at the end times, Jezebel. I see it everywhere I turn. It is crazy. It should be of no surprise to us because we just described the work of it. Judgment, oracle of God at the Garden of Eden. That's where it started. And the choice given to the woman. Would you want to, you want to control life? And you know, how many songs right there on, on the Christian radio today that has to do with control? Have y'all ever noticed that? I'm giving up control and, and trust. This is, they go together. So what I'm seeing is that Jezebel is on the loose right now for one of two reasons. Either the woman is not submitting to her husband, period. And or the husband is not ruling his own house well. Maybe he's not ruling it at all. Because a lot of men don't. They get tired of it. They get tired of the, of the drama that that issue brings. You think she's going to give up the crown just because you said so? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> There's a fight coming. And who's the fight really with? God. And we all fight the fight. I'm not putting anybody down. How did Jacob become Israel? He wrestled with God. 
You wrestle. Your will rises up. How did Jesus sweat drops of blood? Over the issue of his will. That'll cause you to bleed from every pore. It's hard on you. And everybody's in that game. But what I'm seeing right now, we're losing it. Because Jezebel is riding high right now. And when Jezebel rules, families get destroyed. Churches get divided. The whole plan of God gets subverted. It's amazing what damage one person can do. It's amazing. And not for just a moment, but for years. I've seen it. I've seen it. Both men and women. I've seen it. So I'm not blowing smoke up your dress. If you're wearing a dress and you're a man, you need to be repenting. I'm telling you the truth. Kilt. Well, praise the Lord. You stay over there, I'll stay over here. I just ask you the question, you know, where where are you really on this? You cannot play games with this. This is a killer. Folks, I, I, I've got t-shirts on this sucker. The first place it will affect you or the one that will stick the, the most is your family. Try that one on. People you love. How does that make you feel? Not good. Not good. So you got to get a handle on this thing. Everyone needs to hoop a tasso. Amen? And if you wonder about the guy that you know above you, don't break ranks. Stay in your lane. And what are you supposed to do with that husband that's a little bit of a knucklehead, ladies? You pray for him. The God that you say you trust will take care of him. Don't kid yourself. You, you know what? I've learned to fear God. Do, you, do I think I'm perfect? Are you kidding me? And I've had many people tell me just how bad I don't do that. I mean, I get it. I don't have to be perfect. No human being walking is perfect. But I have a God. I really do. And I do serve him. And I do love him. And I, you know what? I do trust him. And so I know he'll correct me. If I'm really that far out of line, he'll correct me. Oh, I have had him correct me. And I don't want a lot of that. Because when God corrects, you've been visited. I mean, you've seen the real deal. So just pray. Amen? Let's get a handle on this dadgum thing. May Jesus the Lord. Amen. It starts in your home. Amen. Everybody learn something? Better attitude? Tell your, tell your face. Oh, I love this stuff. I love it. Remember the first part of the sermon. 2020 is a good year. But it will cost you. It's going to cost you. Amen. Father, we praise you that what you promise you will do. All of it. So we choose right now with, with words out of our heart. We want to submit to you. We want to. Oh God, perfect that in me. Perfect that in us. Perfect that in our church. In Jesus' name. Amen. See, you're not to worship him. And you knuckleheads, you know, read the Bible.